Welcome to the Unapologetic Designer Podcast, where we chat controversial design topics and expose the raw truth about life as a designer. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a super interesting guest today, and I can't wait to learn more about their business. Eric, do you want to further introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Eric Quigley. I'm a creative director uh, at an agency out of Sarasota, Florida called Uncommon Crowd. Um, and we focus mainly on branding, but a lot of my content uh, on TikTok uh, and some on Instagram uh, is mainly focused towards creatives, uh, going from freelancing to owning an agency, all that good stuff. And I kind of tend to poke the bear a little bit in a nice way. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I thought you would be an awesome guest because you have all of these amazing hot takes on TikTok and I want to hear more about that. Ooh. But before we get into that, I did want to ask like can you share a little bit more about like your background and how you got to where you're at? Sure. Yeah. So it's funny, I you know, I've been designing all my life um and uh, in high school, I was super into theater and I went into college uh, into scenic and lighting design. Um, and I did that for two years. And long story short, I ended up moving from, from Virginia to Florida and um, dropped out of doing that. And life happened and then finished my AA and decided after long deliberation, because I really thought that like graphic design was what real artists did that couldn't hack it. Right. Um, I decided to get my graphic design degree. So I finished that online and um ended up being like a perfect marriage of everything that i love because i love film i love um like events i love graphic work i love art like all of those things it just became this like perfect marriage and then uh, i found branding and i was like "Ooh, this is like the spot because th there's so much logic behind it and i'm a very logical person so i was able to i don't like the idea of like design just for design's sake um you know that it has its place but you know, having some reasoning behind that design, right? So um, while all of this is happening, I was working in the restaurant industry, uh, did that for five years, went from host to um, manager, then I skipped uh, and went to property management, did that for five years, went from assistant to uh, property manager of 450 condos, and then got married, a whole bunch of stuff happened. And I moved to New York because I was saving up to go to New York. Um, and there, that's when I finally transitioned into like design full time. Uh, and then I ended up getting, I started on Upwork, which I talk about quite a bit. Um, and from there, I ended up getting hired. It's the only kind of legit, I guess, in-house design job I've ever had. Uh, I got hired by a telemedicine company out of um, Arizona. And it was there for a little over a year. And then COVID hit. And they decided to dissolve the entire department. And at that point, you know, I had interviewed a little bit around um, just for other things. And then I was like, well, one door shut and here's my window. So I just went all in on freelancing and then converted to an agency style and here the heck we are. That's amazing. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 34. Okay. Yeah. Cause it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences and like have gone through a lot to get to this point. And your website definitely shows all these aspects you were talking about. Like it is one of the most unique designer websites I think I've ever seen. Thank you very much. We're actually getting ready to, to level it up again. Um, so interesting story if you want to hear um, about the website. Um, I, started yeah. I, well, I started initially, <clears throat> my brand was called Cake. It was very like 
bombastic colors, DIY, like help the solopreneur figure it out at a low cost, you know? And I got those people. <laughs> it was really great. I got those people. I thought it was amazing. And then I realized they were a big pain because it was just the type, it was too much education, too much handholding, too much, all of those things. And it was kind of dampening what I wanted to do. And I had a friend of mine who I've been working with for a little bit. She said, she was like, you're like, way too interesting to be presenting yourself this boring and basic. <laughs> so I, she kind of pulled it out of me. And what we did with the website was part intuition, part strategy, just kind of loose strategy, which is do as I say, not as I do. Um, but I went through, you know, the process of doing that. And in doing that, it was almost like, I don't know, it was almost like coming out. Like when I came out, I was like uber gay. And then, you know, it like scales back a little bit. So I was like very... <laughs> You, can't, you know what I mean? It was like, I have been pent, you know, this has been pent up for so long. And I was like, we're going to do very like, you can't sit with me. And we're like, kind of bitchy, but work with us. And it like went too heavy on the like, don't sit with me. So we're in the process of <laughs> pulling back a little bit and being like, hey, but you actually do want to work with us. We just kind of have this little gated thing going on. So we just don't get anybody. Um, so that's where it's at right now. But thank you so much because the the website was, you know, it was, it's, it's a lot of my brain up there and very rarely do we get to do that. And I was like, you know what, this is just where we're going. So that's where it's at. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It feels very exclusive, but in regards to Upwork, that is super interesting because I started my business in college freelancing on the side and I dabbled in Upwork. And I mean, I got a few jobs here and there, but I really felt like the platform was oversaturated. Now, I don't know when you got on there, so it might have been different, or maybe I just didn't have the right approach, but I feel like I'd spend a lot of time sending over the proposals and then never hear back. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of that happen too. <clears throat> Some of it's in, okay, so I always looked at Upwork as a game. Like, it's a game to beat. Like, I <laughs> Seriously, I like, love that. <laughs> I, it really, because you because it is so saturated. Like I had really strict rules, like, and I still do. If I do it less now, but this is stuff I always tell people to do. You know, it's it's number one, have your platform, your your profile together. Like, if you don't if you don't have a decent headshot, people don't know what you look like. You know, you don't have like a bio on there. You don't have a uh, you know portfolio of old work, regardless of work you know you're getting on the platform. You know, if you don't have any of that stuff, like that's first place to start. Um, but then making sure that any job you're responding to has less than like 10 proposals already there. Like it's about getting them fast and getting in there because clients get bored. Clients are like, okay, I've gone through 20 of these. I think I know who I want. I can't go through 60. Like it's not going to happen. And half the clients on there are, you know, it's like on a whim, right? Like you have to be able to parse that out and go, okay, some of these people got really excited and they need a logo and now they don't care because something else popped up and then they're like really the the people that are in it to win it, right? So it's like catching when to submit the proposal at the right time. You know, it's does the client like have some legitimate stuff going on? Like, do they have a connected payment method? Do they have other, <laughs> do they have other people that have reviewed them, right? Like it's looking at all those things. Um, and then also making the, proposals themselves while i used a template i would customize to every person and it, i would customize the vibe like if their proposal felt really relaxed i probably came at them a little more relaxed or if their proposal was like super corporate and uptight then i was super corporate and uptight right like i matched their energy even through the text and that was just really how i kind of it was like knowing the audience playing the game doing the whole thing treating it as like you know like pounding the pavement like getting there first and like 
showing up the way you need to show up. So that was my whole thing. I think I did in the first year and a half. And then after that, I kind of tapered off. But in the first year and a half, I think I did 20, 20 couple thousand. Like, and that was into supplement. Like that was me just getting started. I was working at a place in New York with some like crazy Italian advertising guy that kind of supplemented too. So, but like, that's what I did in my first year and a half. So that's kind of how I look at Upwork. I don't know how you approached it, but that was just my deal. Well, I would do some crazy stuff. Like I would go to, if I saw a job I really wanted, I would go and snoop their profile and every single thing that they said. And I would try to find them outside of Upwork on social media and connect with, I wouldn't message them, but I would try to interact with their page (laughs) because I felt like it was just, you had such a greater chance of actually booking the client when it was outside of Upwork. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you don't have as much. Yeah, I guess I did have, I actually had somebody seek me out, do the opposite, where they were like, oh, I found you on Upwork, but then I, you know, like jumped over to LinkedIn, and then they pulled me that way. Um, so I could see that, I mean, trying to like cut through all the noise by just kind of circumventing. And I, I mean, I would imagine there's probably quite a bit of that. I don't know, maybe not. I That always scared me, like people finding out, like if I got outside of the... <laughs> You know what I mean? They make yeah, you like yeah. well, that's fear like, for your that's life. That's why I didn't make it obvious. I was like, I'm just going to interact with their page. And I yeah. like, I don't know that they're looking for a designer right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, I love that. I think it's, you know, whatever you need to do. So, but I think um, just generally, I've talked to some people who have Upwork and they're like, I've not been successful and da, da, da. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You know, are you just treating it as like a set and forget kind of thing and just not putting effort into it. And that's why, you know, like there's, I think there's a lot of different variables, but that's where I found to be successful. But I, you know, I don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like that with a lot of things when designers are asking for help, well, where do you get clients or why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And it's like those types of situations where it requires tailored feedback because you have to know what is their portfolio looking like? What is their positioning looking like? What's their messaging? Like, how are they interacting with clients? How much are they posting? Where, like, there's so many different questions that have to have answers in order to understand their situation. Exactly. Yeah, you're so right. Because everybody's individual, you know, it's, I mean, it's the same way with clients. Like, if you're not asking them questions, right? Like, how are you going to know? So yeah, people asking that, you know, like, well, I don't, it's not working out for me. And there's, yeah, there's too many variables to be able to, narrow it down like as a general kind of thing. So I mean I I think Upwork can be very successful for people if if you treat it as a job, you know, if you treat it as you know something that's actually bringing in money rather than just like, well, I'll try and see if it happens, you know. I feel like we get caught into that a lot of times where it's like, well, I'll just try it and not put any effort in and then what do you get back out of it? Zilch, you know? So Exactly. Where are most of your clients finding you nowadays? Uh, it's, it's spattered actually all over the place. So, um, generally I'm not putting out, if I'm doing, putting anything out, I'm pitching via like loom, you know, it'll be, I've gotten into the position where I'm like, okay, there are companies I really want to work with. So those are the ones that I'll go, you know, if I had a minor connection with them at some like local event, or if I've seen, like, there are some products that I like that are, I'm like, eh, your brand isn't really there. Like I wouldn't change this, but there are some things that need to kind of go or level up. So I'll reach out via Loom or LinkedIn or whatever. Um, But most of my clients are still word of mouth based on, you know, based on like, you know, I worked with them and they have a client that needs something or whatever. So that's still the majority of what I have. But recently I've been really focused because I tend to just, I just jump into things. Like I just go, I'm like, if it doesn't work, fine, we'll move on. But I'm the person that just kind of jumps. Um, so 
the so like I've, i now i'm building the organic lead gen i'm doing the social stuff like i didn't start on social media really starting uh until this past february so everything has just kind of come out of that and then i added this kind of secondary audiences creatives and things like that so it's kind of scattered all over the place right now majority still being retainer clients and people that i've you know have referred me so but we're branching out so when you say retainer clients is that mm -hmm. like just ongoing graphics ongoing maintenance or how do you offer services to your clients i see you offer like a lot of different things yeah generally with the retainer stuff i prefer to keep it um time-based like as far as like coaching or you know i've got some people that you know develop websites whether it's um on webflow whether it's on um wordpress or you know wix or whatever that will do like a couple hours a month on like web updates and you know adjusting copy or adding blogs or things like that those uh will also do like blog writing will offer like content creation so some show social stuff i'm kind of back and forth here and there because sometimes finding a social manager is difficult but um that's generally with retainers i like to stick with the coaching i like to stick with like the low level um, you know, we're going to go in and update things, things like that. Um, but I have done kind of more expanded things. Like I said, where we'll offer blog writing, we'll do more of like a package of like, okay, you want to, you want to start to beef up your content. So we'll look at it from an SEO perspective and we'll go kind of in that direction, but generally it's mostly coaching and, and, uh, maintenance. Gotcha. So that being said, I have a pretty juicy question mm. and <laughs> I think you're going to have a good answer because I feel like you're very <laughs> experienced. <laughs> What is your highest paying client project to date? Highest paying client project to date. Um, I'm going to say because it's a, it's probably like a collective thing. Uh, initially, mm -hmm. initially, I'd say it was about 25,000 over the life of the client, probably between 30 and 35,000 currently is generally what it is. And what all did you do for this particular project? So it's <clears throat> most of my large projects start. I don't start any lower usually, uh, unless it's a personal brand in which, or a favor or whatever. But generally, I don't start anything less than about fifteen to eighteen thousand, um, and that's formulating their brand in the totality. So whether it's a brand new brand or whether it's um, like a facelift or a refresh or whatever. So it's usually from foundational statements all the way up through six phases of, you know, strategy and identity all the way through kind of the presence of their website, print collateral. Um, that's one thing that I offer, continue to offer is like working on actually physically printing them something and getting that out, whether it's business cards or postcards or whatever it is. Note cards is our big thing. Um, and then I always push, if I can, uh, if I know them well enough at that point, uh, to schedule a custom photo shoot. So with this particular client, um, they flew in to meet us and we did a full day and we had hair and makeup and the whole deal and we creative directed the whole thing so that they had custom custom photos. I just can't stand doing a nice, a really nice brand for somebody, really like well thought out brand. And then they're like, well, we'll just plug in some old stuff we had or- Oh my God, I you know, hate what, that. Uh, it ruins up. it. Yeah, it really does. It's like, this is like round peg square hole, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's, it's very making something <laughs> old fit that, like you did so much work. So that's a big, that tends to be a big chunk of it. Like the, the photo shoots we run are anywhere between six and 10,000. So that's, you know, that's a big piece of it because they're, it's a full experience on top of it. So, um, 
that's generally what it is. And then after the fact, um, I've had some people that um, are, you know, show up, show back up, like we're getting ready to do a second photo shoot for this person. So, um, you know, it's in the totality right now, I'd say the highest paying is probably about 35,000. Yeah. Based on all that. And is your team all remote or how do you work with the different team members that are collaborating with you? Every, everyone that I've got for digital tactical things. So like web development, logo design, you know, um, strategy, things like that. They're all remote. So I've got people, um, I've got some people that are in the States, ones in Texas, I've worked with people out of Mexico. I've worked with people out of Morocco, some people out of India. Um, those, all of that stuff is generally remote. Anything that obviously we're doing physical for a client. So photo shoot, everybody's local to me. So I have a photographer I work with. I have a hair and makeup artist I work with. I've got a stylist I work with, unless I'm doing it, you know, some of those components myself. But um, yeah, everything that I have is contractor based. Um and I do that because I generally, sometimes I want to design the logo. Sometimes I want to do the website. Sometimes, you know, I'll not, I don't generally develop because that's just not my shtick, but um, it allows me to bring on, I like bringing on the best people for the job, right? We had a specific uh, client that we wanted to do like animated illustrations on the, here and there on the website. So we went out, found somebody that was kind of their gig and, you know, brought them in to do it that way. So eventually I'd like to see W2 employees, but, you know, we're still babies. We're getting there. Yeah. And I like that approach because I feel like, I mean, even I was guilty of doing this when I first started years ago, I was offering like everything under the sun, including brand photos. And like, I was trained on professional photography, but like, that was not my like yes. main thing. And I, you know, as I got more experience, I'm like, okay, that is not something I need to be offering. Like I'm an expert in brand and web design. And if they need brand photos, they need to go to a branding photographer. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, and your brain can only take so much. And that, that's where I got to the creative director title. Like, first of all, I just gave myself that title. Like, this is what <laughs> I'm doing. So that's, I feel like we don't do that enough. I'm like, well, what the hell else am I doing? I'm not just a graphic designer. Like, that's not what's happening. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I started to realize I'm like, this is my brain can't take all this. Like, and physically, the burnout and everything of offering, because we do overoffer all the time. We overproduce, undercharge. Like I say that all the time. You know, it's, and it really does take a toll. And not to mention the design, whatever that component is that you've got going on, suffers because you're again trying to make your zone of genius fit that. And while you may be kind of good at it or kind of enjoy it, it's not your 100% strength. So I've always found bringing people on that are, far smarter or far talented than I am in that area to be a much bigger benefit to the client. And you know what that makes me think of? I feel like people do this all the time, especially in the marketing industry, whereas they drift over into offering logo design and mm -hmm. they have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I, I always talk, you know what, that's one of my part of my pitches or conversations that I, cause I don't really pitch people. I just try to have open conversations, but you know, I tell clients that all the time. I'm like, do not go to a marketing agency for your branding. Don't yeah. like, it's like, to me, it's like, I don't know. It's like two in one shampoo. They work better separately than they do together. <laughs> you know, like it's That's like, a you're, perfect example. right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like marketing companies are about pushing it. They're about selling it. They're about like getting people drawn into the, into the, like the brand so that people can like sustain the relationship there, you know? 
mixing the two, it just doesn't because they water down the brand or there's no, you know, I've seen so many people that have websites created by a marketing company. I'm like, well, they didn't have, they looked at this from an SEO perspective. Nobody wants to read this crap. Nobody cares about any of this, you know, and the focus just isn't there. So yeah, I'm not, not in favor of that at all. I'm kind of mixing and kind of, uh, not staying in your lane, if that's an okay way to put it. So one of your hot takes I saw on TikTok that I would love for you to talk more about is your take on VIP design days. Uh, I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> People hate me for this. Uh, well, I don't. I think fine. it's funny. No. Yeah, I, I mean, love that you have this perspective. I think it's great. Well, thank you for asking. Um, here's my thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, I think people that do it are lying to their clients and that's my biggest problem with it because I understand VIP days, you know, doing a brand in one day or one week. Like I get, I get that it makes it affordable for clients. That's, I've never been against that. I'm never going to be against people making money or working within what they need to work in. What I am against is clients not knowing what they don't know and creatives or strategists or whoever not presenting it in that way because branding is not a logo it is not colors it is not a website branding is the strategy and the relationship and the thing that makes people want to come back it's so much more than that it's you know it's nostalgia it's pop culture it's like you know why you connect on things on a subconscious level it's totally different whereas what people are actually providing in a vip day are logos that a client likes colors that a client likes all of it is directed from the client because what else are you going to do in that amount of time nobody is sitting on any amount of strategy for eight or ten hours right like that's not a thing to be able to come up with something that's viable so you're looking to the client what do you like what don't you like what can i churn out visually that's going to make you happy right now and at the end of the day they don't know that that's not a brand they that's that's their what they're predisposed to understand as brand because that's the visual component of it but there's no rhyme or reason behind it other than what they like or don't like and it's the worst way to go about creating a brand because at the in reality they don't a lot of times clients especially at that level don't really know who they're talking to they don't they they assume it's them they're already biased to the product or the service or whatever. And, you know, they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and they don't know who the hell they're talking to or why they would want to buy it. And then they're just all of its arbitrary decision-making. So not knocking, I'll never knock any designer for doing this. I'm just knocking how it's presented because it is identity. It is design. It is not branding. Do you feel like it's cheapening the industry in a way? Yes. Because if you look at from the perspective of the client, right, and going, okay, well, I can get this for 3000 bucks in one day versus this guy who wants to charge me $20,000 for the same thing. It's all branding, right? Of wrong. course, I'm going to go, yeah, wrong, 100%, <laughs> never. But they don't know what they don't know. And we have to approach these situations with clients being the expert, right? Like we drop our expert hat somewhere out there in favor of money. And we're like, Ooh, $3,000 I can get in one day. Not to mention, I had somebody bring this up in the comments. I do not believe for one second, knowing that lower paying clients are always the one that will, ones will run you around that you are actually doing it in one day or one week because oh, guaranteed yes. they're yes. dragging you all over the place. So 
While it sounds like a good idea in theory, tactically, it's a nightmare and you're lying. So, and it does cheapen it overall because again, they're comparing apples to apples, looking at from a branding perspective. Well, if a logo is branding over here and a logo is branding over here, I'm not going to pay $20,000. I'm going to pay the 3000 and have it done tomorrow. So it does. It lessens what everyone is, you know, the people that are providing an actual process and something that is, you know, founded in logic or data or whatever you want to call it strategy, you know, it does cheapen that for them. And it makes it difficult for us to even think about charging that because somebody else is doing like a grab for cash on this side. So, yeah. <laughs> so being, I like to play the devil's advocate. What would you say to people who are like, well, there's a target audience for every price point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think so, 100%. It's all, for me, it is all in the framing of what it is. It's mm -hmm. all in saying this is design. I look at those as like, you know, you could, it's like a beta version. It's like, a, okay, this is something that's going to make, it's design that's making you look professional and legit. That's what it is. It's not attempting to do any of the psychological things like because they're all guesses so i do think you can offer it i do think people do need that because there are so many clients that are like okay i want to get started or it's a test for them or they're not really sure about their business or whatever it is and they need a logo and they need a website and they need decent looking photography and they need some semblance of copywriting like they need all of that and while here's what i will say while those arbitrary decisions could end up being right no time has been put into proving the theory. I mean, I work that way. You know, I'm very, when I meet with a client, I have a, my brain's firing like crazy. I'm going, we could do this and we could do this and we could do this. And while those initial decisions might be 100% correct, I'm spending my time over several months, weeks, months, however long, proving that theory or disproving that theory. So I think it's all in framing whatever it happens to be. I think that you're right. There is a market for every price point and there should be because of where people are at and you do have to meet people where they're at. But at the same time, presenting it the way it needs to be presented. So they're well-informed. And so you know what you're getting yourself into because we know damn well that the majority of creatives have absolutely no boundaries and barely any business acumen. So they're getting drug all over the place for a measly 3000 bucks which turns into dollars an hour, if not pennies an hour real quick. So, yeah, I think that that's something that's often overlooked about that is it sounds really nice and it sounds really fast, but especially in my experience with the type of clients I'm working with who are running their own businesses, they don't have time to sit there and give feedback for multiple hours in one day or a few days. They need like more time than that. Yes. Yes. And, I, you know, that's even, you know, take strategy, strategy aside, any design to me, and maybe this is just me, but any design to me needs breathing room. It needs time to simmer. It needs time for, you know, to get away from it. You know, you spend eight hours on something. Oh my God, you don't know what you're looking at by the end. No wonder people are providing <laughs> like 80 versions of a logo. What are you kidding me? Like, I don't <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with any of that. You know, it's like insanity, you know? So I think any design really deserves time away to make decisions. And yeah, clients don't know what they want. And if you're not presenting yourself in any sort of expert manner 
and show, you know, showing them that like, okay, you hired me for a reason and I'm the decisions that I'm making for you really are the best direction. And you're trying to do it in 24 hours or five days or whatever it is, you know, they don't have an opportunity to really know what they want. And it's still a big old guess anyway. So it just, I feel like it just opens people up for probably disgruntled people. I'm sure you're going to have people that are very happy, right? And the synergy is just there and you connect and whatever. But I feel like it also opens a door for like unhappy clients. I feel like it opens the door for you running yourself ragged for what? Actually, that's so funny you say that because I have told my students, they'll be like, should I offer VIP design days? And, you know, I'll be like, that's not something I offer. And I do want to let you know, like, I feel like when you offer that, you open up the door to potentially have more risky clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's they see it as fast and cheap. And I'm sorry. That's not what I want. You know, I'm not going to diss anybody because at the end of the day. You need to make money. At the end of the day, you need to survive. You need to do all those things. It's the same reason I'm going to say, if your business isn't working out, you need to go get a job at the local bookstore or you need to go down to the Starbucks and be a barista for a couple months, you do it. Because at the end of the day, you need to live. You know, that's pride is, you know, not worth it. But, you know, it, it's being in the mindset, you're living in a lack mindset. You're living in a fear-based mindset of going, I have to do this. I need to do this for a low cost. And I need to offer them as much as I possibly can. And those are the clients that's what they're looking for. And they're the biggest nitpickers of your life. They will, it, it's very rarely do those turn out to be lucrative, well-rounded, healthy experiences in my experience. Yeah. I mean, I had the same type of situations when I first started and I was doing like one-off logos and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's when I would have those difficult clients and the ones who would try to nitpick and cross boundaries. And now that I'm working with high ticket clients, I, you know, I've still had bad experiences here and there, but it's far less. Oh, always, always. always. I mean, I was doing, I look back now, uh, you know, you need to have that stuff. You know what? We need to have the smaller experiences and the bad experiences and the difficult things to be able to, you know, know what to adjust for next time and to be able to look back. I look back. I mean, I was doing seven page websites, custom graphics, custom logos for $400. Oh, like $400. And I was nervous to present that. I'm like, I look at $400 now and I'm like, that's a meeting. <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, that's a two hour meeting. I can't, you know, I just can't, you know, cause you have to, you just have to shift the mindset. I know that's really hard. I think it's just ingrained. That's why I talk about this and rant, you know, rants so much about creatives just kind of having it ingrained in them that, you know, they have to do this. Like, you know, it's a marriage of like the imposter syndrome and, you know, wanting being so connected to our work and wanting to be liked for our work so we'll pretty much do anything it's this whole like psychological acceptance thing you know so i mean i'll knock it again i don't knock anybody because we all come from somewhere but i think we all need to be driving for that expert position and charging more overall however you need to kind of regulate that and step it up over time because it doesn't happen overnight so that's very true what are some of your other big hot takes oh big hot <laughs> takes you know what? I just did. So I just did a video on this and I got really, I got really peeved at this one. And it's probably why it didn't do well. Cause there is, <laughs> there is a delicate balance between like <laughs> anger and like <laughs> anger and like poking at it and going, Hey, but like, like the tough love versus the anger. Right. I, some, I think I slipped out of that zone a little bit. Yeah. Some... I think that you, I can tell you're very passionate and like, I can understand where you're coming from, but like, you know, TikTok community, they're uh, <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I mean, social in general, they're like, you know, whatever. 
Um, but this particular topic, um, it, it kind of piggybacks off, you know, what I was just talking about. I have people that are like, you know, with the creative contract stuff that I do and everything, you know, people are like, well, uh, you know, clients won't want to work with you. You know, if you're too difficult, clients won't want to work with you. And I'm like, are you, wh- how many people are on this earth? Like, think <laughs> about that for a second. There are 8 billion people on the earth. And I looked up this stat specifically for that video. There are 500 and I think 62 or 592 million of them are entrepreneurs. Like if somebody does not want to work with you, somebody else will like different strokes for different folks. That's, it's just the name of the game. Like if we continue to operate under this like fear-based mentality, you're never going to get anywhere. You're always going to be working at a low rate. You're always going to be burnout. You're always going to be underappreciated. And that's just what's been, you know, it's, it's this marriage of like, I think there's society treats creativity as a commodity, except very few people can actually do it. <laughs> and then, you know, it's that plus our like inner turmoil of going, this is my art. I love doing this. I want to charge for it, but I don't know how it's so connected to my personality. Right. So, you know, I get where it's coming from, but you have got to get over that whole thing and realize kind of the vastness of what you know, what there is in the world and basically just stop your pissing and moaning. Like I just, <laughs> I look at, you know what? I, one of my favorite quotes, right? One of my favorite quotes is from Devil Wears Prada and it's Stanley Tucci and he's talking to, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, 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 Andy in the whatever. I can't, why can't I? Anne Hathaway. He's talking to Anne Hathaway. And he's basically like, you're whining. Like you're not trying, you're whining. When he's, they're like talking about, you know, it's like the, they're in like the workroom together and he's, and it just always stuck with me because I'm like, people would rather complain about things and go, they don't want to work with me than like figure it the hell out. And I'm, I've just got kind of gotten over it. I'm like, you just need to put your big kid panties on and just move forward. Yeah, that's something I've noticed a lot lately. And I actually, the last podcast episode that was just released on here was about people using self-care as an excuse for a lack of self-discipline. And yeah, I think that like, obviously society has taught us that creatives, like they can't charge a lot and they're Mm -hmm. always going to be poor and all this. And you have to step into that abundance mindset Mm -hmm. and realize that like, there's enough on this earth for everybody, but up until you can realize that and realize the potential that's out there, it's not going to come for you. Yep. 100%. It's And it's hard. I mean, it's the whole secret thing. It's, it's having, it's putting yourself in the future. It's saying, I already have, I already have enough. I already like everything that I need is already like taken care of. That's a really hard thing to get into when you're in a position of where's my next paycheck coming from? Where's my rent coming from? Like, where's my, it is, it's very difficult hump to get over. Um, And I've, you know, even in recent, you know, recent months, I've been experiencing the same thing because I think, you know, that's why I said retainer clients have been, you know, that's why they're so important to me. And I think they should be for anybody because, you know, there are times when things go dry or, you know, you've got the economy, you've got the market, you've got whatever going on. And we don't know what's happening with, you know, the economy in general right now. So there's this kind of shift, at least from my experience and other people I've been talking to, you know, it's slow. It is slow for everybody. It, It just is. And what I always go with, right? Like, here's the thing. If that wasn't happening, I would not have the space to, to grow my audience right now. 
I would not have the space to create the products that I'm working on and launching. I would not have the space to update my website. I would not have the space to start. I'm, I'm starting my own podcast. Like I wouldn't have the space to do these things. And you have to get in that just realization that like there is a time for everything and you have everything you need. And it's all for, you know, kind of this higher purpose without getting too woo, you know, but it's, I really do believe that everything, everything happens for a reason and, you know, doors and windows and all that fun stuff. So, um, but yeah, a lot of creatives are, are swirling in this, just a lack mindset in general. And it's all, it's all fear-based and it's unfortunate. I understand where it comes from, but we have to like incrementally, even as an industry kind of move away from that. And that's what I kind of hope to do with my platform. However angry or tough lovey it happens to be <laughs> yeah i feel like we have the same exact mindset almost yeah. which is pretty wild but it makes sense because i think our views are so aligned and the way we do business and the way we feel about the design industry but it, it's also hard to verbalize and teach others how to overcome these things because mm -hmm. like i just always believed so fully that i would run a successful business, even when I didn't have consistent clients, yes. didn't have consistent income. Yes. It was scary, but I was still doing something every day to push my business forward. Yep. And I never gave in and went and got a job. And I think that going through that experience is something that most people fear. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to that point, they give up too soon. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's, you know what, half of it's stamina. If you remove the woo from it, it really is head down. Don't think about, you know, I'm informed about things, right? Like I look at my bank account several times a week. You know, I look at these things. I know what's going on. But at the same time, it's just, it's like a compartmentalization of it. It's me going, I still have to keep going. I still have to keep doing this. I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm not worried about, you know, things will work out how they need to work out. That's why I, I fall back on my organization a lot. Like I'm super organizational, like weirdo. but you know, what can I get done when all in good time, like keeping it kind of that way. And you're right. Like just focusing on where you're going, continuing to do what you can, you know, along the way, rather than being so focused on, well, this isn't working and this isn't working. And what about this? And I'm scared about this. And just kind of sim you're just simmering again and all that fear. And then what it leads to is, you know, you're, 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 conscious breaks like it's just like i can't you know it's it becomes too overwhelming in our head but if you can look at it from more of an outside perspective and detach yourself from it you know it becomes much less scary and you know it's, it's if you just take a logical organizational approach at least that's what i do i'm able to kind of siphon all that off and just keep going and i think yeah people do lose that they get they get out of that cycle and like habitual motion or they never started you know so i don't know if we're anomalies or if we just <laughs> i don't know what that is but I told, yeah, we are on the same wavelength there for 100%. I feel like in a lot of people, like obviously they're operating out of the scarcity mindset, fear-based mm -hmm. mindset. So when those things happen, they look at it as something that's solely negative. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're in the abundance mindset, you look at those things as opportunities and mm -hmm. make them positive experiences. Like right now I have one client, but 
we're also enrolling a bunch of new students into my Design Biz Academy University. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I can put all my time and energy into getting these new students in, planning out this experience, you know, getting things scheduled in advance and making this a great experience for them. So then when business does pick back up again, I'm not overwhelmed. Abs- 100%. And that's, yeah, like I mentioned before, it's like having that realizing them as opportunities when you're slower, when something else isn't going on. I did a video on like the top three things you should be doing when you're, when business is slow, because it's, you know, people have a tendency to like swirl in this, like unlimited amount of time. And I'm like, you know, my husband, he's like, why are you always doing stuff? I'm like, because that's, I have like, how else is it going to happen? I have to be the one driving the ship. You know, I have to be the one that's continually bringing new things on and reworking things and doing whatever. Like it isn't, it's not a nine to five, you know, not a bunch of other people aren't taking on all these other positions. You know, I'm in, you know, I have a bookkeeper, but I'm in control of the bookkeeping. Like I have an accountant, but I'm, (laughs) I'm in control of my finances, right? Like there's all those things. And it's just, you have to be able to say, well, if I don't have, if I don't have a client right now, or I don't have enough clients right now, like while I'm still working on like doing that, how am I supporting myself in other areas that are going to benefit me long-term? You know, it's like the whole thing with social media, you know, like five posts probably aren't going to get you anywhere. Very likely it's the totality of everything. It's that like, again, incremental movements. So yeah, it's just taking that as an op, any opportunity, you know? And I feel like the social media thing is, I mean, coaching other designers, I've noticed that's a huge hurdle for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is, but it's the whole idea of consistency. And I don't believe that you got to show up every single day at the same time and schedule every single post out because I create when I'm inspired, but I'm making sure I'm showing up my stories, you know, Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. pretty much every single week. And I'm also posting multiple times a week Mm -hmm. and that's worked great for me, but I've done that for years. There's not times where I really just am like, you know, I got to step back and like take a few months off, then come back. I feel like that's a cycle a lot of creatives get stuck in is where they'll show up for a little bit, be really consistent, then burn themselves out and then leave for a long time and then come back. And it it doesn't help form that brand awareness or form that connection with their audience because it's so inconsistent. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like not dating for a long time and then trying to get back in the dating game. Everything totally <laughs> changes. Like, forget it. The algorithm's changing literally hourly. You know, and you want to step away for a few months, forget it. It's a totally, you're on a new platform now, no, you know, like all that other stuff you thought was there is totally gone. So yeah, but I, here's my, here's what I say about, you know, so just from my perspective, because I'm, I hated social media. I still think it, you know, it's still not my favorite. I like doing my own content. You're really good at it. Like you're natural for sure. Like you well, can be yourself and that definitely shines through. Well, thank you. I mean, it took, you know, cause I, you know, my, again, I was very stilted in what I originally did when I started, it was, you know, I had two months and I made 600 followers and I was like, I can't do this. I put too much <laughs> in and I was like, it was crazy. I was going like, oh, I did a video where I was like, you probably saw it where I'm like in, I had like a hose on me and I'm like drinking wine and there were candles lit. It was just too, it was like big production. I was like, I can't do it after this. So I stopped for six months and then I came back and just stuff blew up in February and it was like crazy. But what I learned from that was, you know, it's in, I initially started back up by like choosing like my lowest common denominator kind of thing. Like what's the least amount that I can do to get by first so that my consistency can stay, you know, is it one time a day? 
Is it three times a week? What is it? Because if I can just say, here's my lowest amount of effort that I can put in while staying, the consistency is key for me. It's not necessarily like how much I can churn out. It's mm -hmm. can I continue to show up at whatever level? So that was my first thing saying, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what I can do. And that quickly spiraled out of control because in a week I was like, oh, I can do 15 videos a week. And then it was, <laughs> you know, and it just happened. And now I, you know, and then I scaled back again, you know, but I couldn't, you know, I, I had a video, the second video after I came back popped off at like 600,000 views. And I was like, well, here the hell we are now. So let's go. Um, but, you know, and then the other thing I really reframed, and I hope this helps people because I talked to, I had a podcast episode the other day and I was talking to um, a CPA who's like, I really want to get into content. And I was, he's like, I just don't, you don't know how to start and da, da, da. And I was like, start just thinking about doing the content for yourself. Just, and this is for newsletters. This is for social media. This is for anything that you're doing that you are putting out for people. Because if you're doing it for yourself first, it doesn't matter. Like virality will come or it won't come. Things are, you know, it's, you're at the mercy of this machine that's going to let you in or not. Like that's just what it is. So if you just remove that and just make it about, you know, I've turned it into like a digital sketchbook at this point. Like I've reiterated on things. I consider myself to be moving into a, like a thought leadership category. That's what I want to do someday. I want to write a book and I want to go do talks and I want to do all that stuff. So I see this as like, preparation for all that and me going this is these are my thoughts it bombed this time it was too long it was too whatever i'm going to look at this again it's trained my marketing mind so cuz i'm not a marketing person i'm you know i'm a relationship builder i'm the you know i'm visual person right so um it's really helped me looking at it from that visual sketchbook kind of or digital sketchbook perspective to just say i'm in competition with myself this is about me figuring out how I present content and what my ideas are and what I want to share. So at the end of the day, it's all for me. And if people connect with that and, and they have, you know, it, because my, my authenticity and my energy is, is coming through. It's like actual real energy. It's not me putting it on. When I started for the first two months, I was putting energy out there that was fake. It was a, it was a put on. Yeah. You were, you were trying too hard and overthinking and looking at what other people were doing. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And that's yeah. why it doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. And it's people are, you know, I've said people say to me, clients and creatives are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that interesting. I'm not that, you know, I'm boring. I'm whatever. And I'm like, this is, you know, I think a light can really be shined on any particular piece of a personality, you know, just because you're nice doesn't mean that you know, humility isn't like a really good thing to like highlight, right? Like there are pieces of everybody's personality and how things are shared. You know, I follow a content creator that I just love listening to how she speaks. Like she's just so nice and cool and level-headed and whatever. She's not overly exciting. She's not, you know, I'm more in your face. You know, I need that. I need that to balance me out. I'm like, you know, I'm white knuckling it through life over here. I need people that are just chill, you know? So I think, that might be a hang up too for a lot of creatives where they're like, I don't think I'm that exciting or I've never been in front of a camera or whatever. There are a million ways to skin a cat and it's just about doing it the way you want to do it. Because at the end of the day, then if you've done it for yourself, then that's all that matters. You're just learning. It's, you know, it's introspective. It's not worrying about anybody else. So. Yeah, I was not 
like I had no clue how to do social media before I started my business. And then once I did, I absolutely made some really embarrassing videos and (laughs) (laughs) like, I can, I can still find them in like the Instagram archive. And I'm like, Oh "Oh my God, like, I can't believe I posted that. But you know, over time you learn how to communicate and it actually helped. Like it has helped my thought process. Even when it comes to public speaking, I can think so fast now because I've had so much practice doing it on social media and, with time, you learn how to show up in a way that feels like you. And if you don't ever, you know, put in the time and start getting consistent with it, then you don't ever learn what's going to feel right for you. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've gotten to the point now where it's, you know, I, you know, I don't views like I have a very th- low threshold for views. I'm like, if I hit a thousand views, I'm cool. Like that's my, that's my marker, you know, but I can tell now when something feels right. And something feels like it's going to connect somewhere. And when it doesn't, like I'm getting to that point. And I think you're spot on with saying how it's this, such, such this like knock on effect in other areas. You know, I have gotten so comfortable on camera from being on lives now. So comfortable. And it just, it's the practice. It's the muscle. It's the just doing it, not caring. Literally you talk about videos you've got in your archives. Mine are still live. <laughs> you can go back and be like, Listen, everybody, I'm Eric Quigley, and we're going to talk about your audience today. It's very like, (laughs) it's horrible. And they're like eight minute videos that nobody's watching. You know, it's just awful. So, you know, it's, I just think people need to use it as a tool to really learn more about themselves and, you know, in their professional setting in life and and how they communicate and who they want to be and, you know, who they connect with. You know, it's, it's a place for your tribe to find you. I think we spend too much time trying to find the tribe and instead just being ourselves. If there's too many people out there for us to not think that people wouldn't find us. Right. So I think getting out of trying to, to please the algorithm and find your people, it's just easier to be yourself and let your people find you. I agree. Well, it has been really great having you on the podcast. Where can people find you on social media? So they can find me on TikTok. You can find me at Uncommon Crowd. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at the same handle. The difference being all of my TikTok content is focused towards creatives. If you go to my Instagram, it you'll see agency work. And then a lot of that is focused on um, clients. So those are my two main places. You can find me on LinkedIn and our website's UncommonCrowd.com. But those are the two, two main ones. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unapologetic Designer Podcast. If you'd like to submit your unapologetic design opinions, head over to the link in my description to submit yours anonymously. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow our Instagram page or you can sign up to make a monthly donation. I'll see you in the next episode.